What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go check out Ethos Fantasy BB. That is where all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content will be posted throughout this offseason and, of course, heading into next year as well. And if you're one of those people who wants to start producing content and you don't know where to turn, reach out to either myself or Dan Bespris at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We are hiring writers, podcasters, blurbers. We are looking to expand on all of our divisions, specifically here for baseball. So if that is something that sounds interesting to you, please do reach out. Now, today we are going to revert back to our outfield shows. We've taken a pause these last couple of days to go over some first pitch Arizona stuff. We were looking at the draft that I did over the course of the weekend. Well, it was on Saturday, and then we looked at it uh, on Monday and yesterday. We're going to move on from that. We are going to go back to the outfield, and we're going to pick it up from Michael Harris. The last guy we talked about last week was George Springer. And we're just going down the Yahoo ranking board of outfielders. So we're going to skip over some people. Obviously, we've touched on some guys already for different positions. Uh, Dalton Varsho, we already talked about. Brandon Drury, uh, Ahmad Rosario. These guys were outfield eligible. And they are in the top 100 for rankings. But we're not going to talk about them here because we've already discussed them on their respective uh, positional shows. So we're going to pick it up here today with Michael Harris. And he was one of my favorite players all season long. He played 114 games, Michael Harris, and he was still able to return 61st overall value on Yahoo. He was incredible. I was able to acquire him in my home league at the trade deadline. I traded Tyler Anderson and I got Michael Harris. It worked out pretty well for both teams, although I I definitely did get the better end of it. I ended up winning that particular league. First time I won my home league, and Michael Harris was a huge part of it. He almost went for a 2020 season, 19 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and like I said, 114 games. Really incredible. We've talked about him being like a Julio light, a guy who provides similar kind of value to what we saw Julio do this year. And I think he can do something kind of similar going forward. Maybe not to the same heights exactly, but I think he's a pretty similar kind of player. And he's going to be a lot cheaper than Julio uh, in these coming drafts this season. Right now, he is the outfielder 10 by ADP. He's going to pick 28. I also have him as my outfielder 10 in my rankings. but he's 36th overall in my rankings, which, of course, they're going to move around a little bit in terms of where he is in ADP. 28 feels, like, pretty good, although even maybe a little bit high. We still don't know exactly what we're going to see over the course of a full season. I think it'll be really good, Um, but there's a risk in drafting all of these guys, uh, you know, Julio, Bobby Witt, Adley Rutschman, guys that we don't really know year on year what they can do Uh, We don't have that kind of baseline established, you know, a couple of seasons at least to figure out generally what these guys can do. Uh, You expect them to get better, obviously, but growth is not linear in any sport. And in fantasy, it it falls through for fantasy as well. We could see Michael Harris return first-round value next season. He could be a top-ten player if he's, you know, leading off for that Atlanta team. Or even if he's later in the lineup, we saw this season, he was typically in the bottom third of the order, and he still returned incredible value. If he's leading off for that team which is a hypothetical still. I mean, if Dansby Swanson leaves, I'd assume that Michael Harris would be the natural guy to take over at the top of the order there. Even if he stays, maybe we see Michael Harris at the top, and, and that could lead to an incredible like 30-30 season with 100 runs, 100 RBIs. Like We could see some real crazy shit come from Michael Harris next season. He could be, hypothetically, his skill set could be the number one overall fantasy player. 
in terms of where he's going in these drafts, 28th, that feels pretty right. The minimum pick was 16, which is pretty high, I think. And then the, uh, the maximum was 48, which is obviously a, a pretty big steal at that point. I think when you look at who's going around him here, uh, he's pretty much the last guy with that first round upside, I think, in terms of outfielders for next season. Uh, you get beyond him and you got Luis Robert, Randy Rosarena, Cedric Mullins, uh, Dalton Varsho is listed there as well. Teoscar Hernandez, Starling Marte. As you go down the board here, there's no one in that group who I think can really give you first-round value. Maybe you could see it from Mullins and a Rosarena. It would surprise me. But I think that their skill set is, is capable of providing, you know, top 15 or so value. But Michael Harris, once you get past him, I think that there is definitely a fall-off. And you see it by ADP. Uh, Harris is 28th, and then Robert 35, a Rosarena 45, Mullins 49. There is a bit of a gap there once you get past these first 10 outfielders who are going all in the first two rounds of 15-teamers pretty much. And then you do have a little bit of a fall-off. Not to say that there's no value beyond that. There's still a ton of value. But if you're getting Michael Harris here. If he falls into the 30s, let's say you get him in the third round, I think that that's really a sweet spot if you're talking 15-teamers here. You get whoever in the first couple of rounds, like say one pitcher and one position player, and then... You have him, probably you're going to take him at the beginning of the third. And likely, as we get closer to the season, probably uh, late second round is where he's going to settle in because he's already up at 28. And these are just going to move up and up for guys like Michael Harris. As people start to look at their draft boards and they look beyond him and they say, okay, there's some all right names, but if you can if you can get a guy like Michael Harris, you worry a lot less about your outfielder situation going forward. Specifically, if you pair him with another one of these elite outfielders, uh, then you're really looking good, especially if you're talking these 15-team, five-outfielder formats. Outfield does tend to thin out a little bit quicker. Now, outfield in general, I think, is a really deep position. If you're talking, you know, 12-team leagues, 10-team leagues, then there's probably like 35 or 40 guys or maybe even 50 guys where you're pretty happy with rostering them. But in a 15-team league, they tend to go pretty quickly. So if you can get Michael Harris here in the third round, I think that would make a lot of sense for me. Uh, I think that the sky is the limit for what he can do. Now, will he do it or not is anybody's guess. Uh, But the skill set is there. The team is there. And I think that overall, he makes a lot of sense to go in this range. Next up on this list, we have Starling Marte. Now, it's worth mentioning, I think, that he did have surgery, a core muscle surgery, about a week ago. The recovery is expected to be about eight weeks, so there shouldn't be any worry uh, heading into next season on that front. Now, looking at what he did, statistically this year, it was 76 runs, 16 homers, 63 ribbies, 18 steals, and a 292 batting average. He finished as the 79th overall player on Yahoo. His ADP was 25.2, so he didn't quite return that value where you drafted him, but still, he was just about as good as he was last year across most of these categories. The one big exception, obviously, was the stolen bases. Uh, In 2021, Marte was stealing a base, especially down the second half of the season. It seemed like every single day you check the the score or you get notifications from the steals thing on Twitter, and you just see every single day was Starling Marte. 47 steals he had last season. He didn't reach those heights. 18 this season, which we had to kind of expect. I believe he's 33 years old now. Let me just look that up real quick. Uh, 34 years old now. Just turned 34 last month. So I'm guessing we're not going to see him hit those exact heights again for steals. 47 is a very high number for anybody to attain once, let alone twice consecutively. But he still made up that value across the board here. He's still close to 300. Still gave you, you know, five category production, which you got to be pretty happy about. 
Now, he is the outfielder, number 16 by ADP, uh, over on the NFBC right now. 63.4 is where he's being drafted. And I think you got to feel pretty comfortable with him in that range. You get him in the fifth round, roughly. Now, there are guys around him who I feel just about as comfortable with. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez at 60. And I think even Adelise Garcia at 67, I'm feeling just about as comfortable with. So I wouldn't say that Marte, you know, if you get to that range, there's still some options. I don't think that he's someone you get to that range and you say, oh, shit, Marte's still here. I got to grab him. I think that he's going to be a very valuable asset still for fantasy. Should still be a top 100 player pretty comfortably. But you have to remember those steals are probably not going to come back in the same way that we once saw. And as he gets older, you have to expect that he'll start to steal a little bit less, which is just the way it works. 34 years old, already coming off of a you know, a season where he lost a lot of steals from the year prior. I would expect that we see at most the same number of steals again, like 15 to 18 kind of steals. If you just look at his career numbers, four stolen bases, they used to be really, really high up. You know, he used to steal over 40 bases pretty routinely back with the Pirates. So I did it uh, 41, 30, 30, 47, 33, 25. He was stealing a lot of bags. And then 47 last year, he's always been a big base dealer. This year, Granted, he played 118 games, uh, which is pretty similar to what he did last year. Actually, Jesus, like he only played 120 games in 2021, and he stole 47 bases. I thought he had played more than that, but the per game steals is like he's stealing a base like you know every two plus games, like less than every three games. It's ridiculous. Uh, I don't think we'll see him get to those heights again, which is just the way it works. But he should still be able to give you close to 300 with 10, 15 home runs, and then. Probably you're looking at like 80, 75, 80 RBIs or 75, 80 runs and then probably 60 to 70 RBIs. So I think in this range, in the fifth round, I'm still pretty happy to take him. I'm not overjoyed, but I think that he is someone who is going to be kind of a boring player who is going to return value. And just because I, I mean, I say boring doesn't mean that you shouldn't roster him. He's just a guy who is not going to probably excite you too, too much. He's just going to return a value somewhere within the range of where you draft him. I don't think it'll be too high up or too far below. I think that this is about correct at pick 63. The minimum pick this year is 33 for him. The maximum pick is 100, which is, I mean, if you're getting him a pick 100, it's a total steal at that point. I think somewhere here in round five uh, in the 60s makes a lot of sense for Starling Marte. Next up here, we have Stephen Kwan, who became one of my favorite players to roster throughout this season. He was a really hot pickup in April. And everybody was grabbing him, and then he fell off. And, of course, everybody dropped him again. But then midseason, he really started to pick up his play, started stealing a lot of bases, and he ended up finishing as the 82nd overall player. According to Yahoo rankings, 82nd. I don't think we would have expected that at all. Even after his hot start, he was somebody who was a big surprise this year. 89 runs, uh, 6 home runs, which was definitely the low stat for him there. 52 RBIs, 19 steals, and a 298 batting average. I... I really like him going forward. I think that he can be a guy who hits 300 every year, gives you good steals. You know, maybe it's not going to be 20 every year, but in the 15 to 20 kind of range, maybe he does exceed that. But I think that that's probably about as much as we're going to hope for there. And then the question really becomes the power. Can he get those six home runs from this year up to like 10 or 11? That would be a huge, huge thing for him to do. And I think that it is possible. Uh, you can teach power a little bit. You change your launch angle. Uh, you know, you work out in the cage a little bit. I think that there is, not in the cage, you go to you hit the gym a little bit, you go to the cage. Uh, you, you can work on power. He already has the most important thing down, which is the contact skills. If you are already able to see the ball and put it in play, then that's the biggest battle there. 
And he's a guy who, you know, he walks just about as much as he strikes out. And he should be able to perform like similarly to this, I think, every year going forward. Oh, there's going to be some variance, obviously. But this is generally, I think, going to be what we can expect from him. He's going as the 30th outfielder off the board uh, by Yahoo, or by, uh, not Yahoo, by NFBC early drafts. There's no Yahoo early drafts. Uh, he is the 30th outfielder off the board, 136 by total ADP. And I think in this range, you have to be pretty happy with him. I mean, you can go a little bit farther down the board here if you want to wait a little bit more on outfielders. But like we've said, you might be in a league where you you need to get five outfielders and you get to this kind of range of the draft. You're going to be very happy to get Stephen Kwan. Those steals and the batting average are really, really valuable, specifically those 20 steals. I think once you get to this point, there are some guys you can get further down who may give you some steals. I mean, we don't really know what Jake McCarthy's going to give us. It could be another like 30-steal year. I think that we probably shouldn't project that. As you go further down the board here, you got Whit Merrifield, who I don't even know if he's going to have outfield eligibility next year, but not really so much certainty with steals. Harrison Bader's quick, but how many will he really steal? You know, you get down past Quan here, and there's not that many guys. There's the odd guy here and there who can give you some steals, Ramon Laureano. Um, but, you know, that, Trent Grisham maybe give you a few but there's not much going on here. Uh, if you're really looking to nail down steals and also get yourself an outfielder at this range of the draft, which I know is kind of a specific criteria, but they're both things that are going to be fairly important once you're getting into your 10th-ish kind of round, uh, ninth, 10th round. You start to look around and see what you need. If you need an outfielder, you need some steals. I think Stephen Kwan is pretty reasonable here in the 136 ADP range. Now, the minimum and maximum picks, there's more of a, than a 100-pick difference here. The minimum pick, 73. I think there we're pushing it a little bit. That's round five. He's not going to return fifth-round value. That would really surprise me. Uh, I mean, hell, I mean, he could, sure, but I don't think we're going to see him go too far above what we saw this year. We'd need to see the power really kick up and maintain everything else. And, you know, if the power goes up, likely the average goes down a little bit. Maybe he's not stealing as many bases. I think that we'd be pushing our luck taking him in the 70 kind of range. If it's beyond pick 100, then I'm, I'm happy. And you look at the maximum pick, it was 177. At that point, it's, it's a nice little discount a few rounds later than you probably should have got him. In this 136 range, I think that that's generally where he should probably be going around, you know, around 9, round 10, given a 15-team league. I think that that's probably the sweet spot for Stephen Kwan. Next up here, we have Brandon Nimmo, who is a free agent, and a lot of his value for next year will be determined by where he goes. I think that he'll probably be a pretty decent option, but if he goes and takes you know a good chunk of money from a shitty rebuilding team, uh, we're probably not going to see the same kind of counting stats that we saw this season. 102 runs, 64 RBIs. I mean, 64 RBIs, sure, that's nothing that special. But 102 runs. That is special, and I don't know if we're going to see him repeat that if he's on, you know, let's just say the Nationals offer him a bunch of money. I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say a team like that or, you know, Cincinnati or somebody who's not got the greatest lineup around him there, that would be that would be a big difference for where I value Brandon Nimmo. Now, as of right now, uh, his ADP is 196. That's pretty good discount here. I mean, maybe there's some uncertainty like I just talked about. We don't know if it's going to be a good lineup or a bad lineup. So maybe he's going a little bit farther down the board than he should. He was the 89th overall player on Yahoo this season after being the 246th pick by ADP last year. 
you're getting him as the outfielder 42 right now at his current ADP, and I think that that's pretty good value for him right here. The guy going right below him, Cody Bellinger. The guy going right above him, Harrison Bader. I definitely feel better uh, with Brandon Nimmo than I do with, with either of those guys. And then you got Riley Green, Seth Brown, um, Christopher Morrell I feel all right about. But in this kind of range, I think Brandon Nimmo is probably your best bet. And you keep going up even higher. Oscar Gonzalez is going ahead of him. I mean, Oscar Gonzalez had a nice flash there at the end of the season. He was fun. He hit those couple of home runs in the playoffs. But I don't think we should be drafting him ahead of Brandon Nimmo, regardless of where Nimmo goes. I think we're going to see Nimmo provide some solid value still regardless. And this year, you know, still 16 home runs. He batted 274. He can ship in a couple of stolen bases. I would definitely still be taking him ahead of a couple of these guys in the same range. Uh, Ian Happ is going well ahead of him, like 30 picks. I think Happ is a better player, probably, but it's not like that much so that I would take him that much higher here. Uh, even a guy like Hunter Renfro. I think Hunter Renfro is a better player, but I don't think it's that much better that he should be going 30 or 40 picks above him. And I mean, you could split hairs about, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro's power versus Nimmo's, you know, putting the ball in play a little bit more. I, I think that they're pretty similar players and overall their fantasy value should be, I don't think it'll be too far off from one another. But Renfro going that many, like Renfro's ADP is 158. That doesn't make that much sense to me. When you get down to this 200 range, Brandon Nimmo sitting there. Regardless of where he goes, I think that he'll have some good value around pick 200. You're not investing that much in him, specifically if you're talking about like your Yahoo leagues. You know, you're getting down to your last few picks at that point. You probably have you know six picks left once you get there. Seven picks left. I think that he makes a lot of sense as being you know maybe you're a little bit behind on outfield. And you need to stick him in the starting lineup, or you just need to have a bench option there. I think that he makes sense uh, in this 200-pick range. Next up, we have Christian Yelich, and it will probably surprise you to learn that he actually finished right around his ADP for 2022. He was the 88th-ranked player, and his ADP over on Yahoo was 84, right within that range, totally acceptable. And I say it might surprise you because I think that generally we are conditioned to be disappointed in Christian Yelich at this point of his career. Um, he had the MVP season in 2018, 2019 was another massive season, and he was turning into what looked like one of the best players in baseball, if not the best player in baseball for a two-year span there. Then when the pandemic hit that season, he was terrible. 12 home runs, four steals, and a 205 average in the short year. 2021, he played 117 games. It wasn't quite a full season, but only nine home runs, nine steals, and a 248 batting average. This year, the price was as cheap as it had been in several years, and he actually returned pretty solid value. 14 home runs, 19 stolen bases. He batted 252. Now, he's still not Christian Yelich of yesteryear, but I think that this is an all right season for him, for sure. I mean, it wasn't like you were going to be dropping him or anything, where the last couple of years, specifically in 2021, you could have dropped him and it wouldn't have really hurt your team. This year, he actually had uh, some decent fantasy value. Now, in these early drafts, his ADP is 130. He is the outfield 28th going off the board, the 28th outfielder. And I think at that range, you can't really go too wrong. I don't love it. I don't love taking him really at all anymore because we don't know what we're going to get year in and year out. But when you're looking in this range, he's going a few picks before Taylor Ward, a few picks before Stephen Kwan and Anthony Santander. He's going uh, about a round after Nick Castellanos, MJ Melendez, Chris Bryant. 
I think it makes sense. I think for considering what he does or what we expect him to do, that probably makes sense. But like I said a second ago, I don't really have really any expectations for Christian Yelich. Next season could be another 12 home run season where he bats 250. Maybe he returns to form from his early couple of years in the big leagues, hits 30 home runs, drives in 100, hits close to 300. I'm not expecting that. The price is reflective of what we have seen these last couple of years. And I think that, honestly, in this range, the 28th outfielder, it makes sense. If you get down to your 10th round or so and he's there, I think in a lot of cases you're going to be taking him and you're going to be pretty happy with it. Uh, That's probably about the floor for him, 130 at this point. I mean, I, I, I have trouble even trying to project Christian Yelich. Like I said, it's such an up-and-down start to his career where we don't really know what he's going to do. The career numbers, like he's still a 287 hitter for the career. Uh, if you look at the 162-game average over on baseball reference, 23 homers, 82 RBIs, 20 steals in the 287. I mean, that is his average. That is the good and the bad. I think that that's still really, really good. Obviously, those early seasons are factored into those numbers, but he's still very capable of having those kind of seasons. He's only 30 years old. The team around him is all right. They're not great. They're not terrible. They're kind of just the middle of the pack offense. He should be able to do better than this. Will he is the question. And I think I pick 130. I think it's worth finding out throughout the season. Not that he's going to be a must draft. He's not going to be one of my picks for next season or anything like that. One of my sleepers or whatever the hell you want to call them. I think he's just right about fine in that range. Nothing too crazy. Just I think it feels pretty correct uh, that he's going around 130. Now let me take a look real quick at the minimum and maximum picks. The minimum pick is 90. The maximum 166. Pretty much like all these players, 90 feels a little bit too rich. 166 at that point. It feels like a great bargain. So if you're able to get him beyond that ADP, if he's going 140, 150, I think at that point you kind of have to take Christian Yelich. I think that makes a lot of sense, specifically in those five outfielder formats we've been talking about. One more outfielder for today, and it's going to be Teoscar Hernandez. I'm a big Teoscar guy being in Toronto. Uh, he's consecutive Silver Sluggers in 2020 and 2021. This last season was not quite what we had hoped for out of Teoscar. He still had a lot of value, believe it or not. I mean, it didn't look like it watching Jay's games a lot of the time. He was not really ever locked in throughout the season. Similarly to Vlad Guerrero, although Guerrero had a better season, but Teoscar never really seemed like he was dialed in at the plate. 71 runs, 25 homers, 77 ribbies, 6 stolen bases, and a 267 batting average. He did that in five or 499 at-bats. So it wasn't quite a full season, but once you're hitting that 500 at bat threshold, uh, I think you're probably, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially a full season. And the numbers were certainly not what we expected uh, coming off of these last couple of years. Uh, how many games did he play this year? It was 131. So it's pretty much a full year, and it was, it was undoubtedly disappointing. Batting average, the steals were down. Everything was down. And the price, uh, in turn, for next season is also down. His ADP in these early drafts, and there have been 17 early drafts so far, is right on the dot at 60, 60.00, with the minimum pick being 40 and the maximum being 89. Now, if you're getting him at 89, that's a huge discount. 40 does feel a little bit rich for me still. I don't think that he should still be going in the third round necessarily. I don't think he's too far off, probably fourth or fifth. But like that 60 ADP, it feels generally pretty correct. 
the 97th ranked player this season, but it really was a down year for him. Uh, those 71 runs, he can do a lot better. We saw it last year, 92. That's probably closer to what he's going to give you uh, as long as he is a Blue Jay batting in the middle of that lineup. 71 runs, that's really an underachieving uh, number for him. 77 RBIs is the same, especially coming off of 116. You lose 40 RBIs off your total while having a similar number of at-bats, 50 less at-bats, but that's not something I would really expect going forward. I do think the Blue Jays are going to keep adding to their lineup, and I think that we'll see that team get even better. So those 77 RBIs, I don't see that as being the true version of him. Obviously, there's more that goes into it than just your own skills with RBIs. It's about the team that goes around you, where you are in the lineup. But 77 is certainly low for him. He should not be in that range. 90 to 100 is definitely possible and probably likely depending on what moves the Jays make. And even if the Jays just stand pat, bring back the exact same team, I would argue that the 77 number is going to go up just based on some natural positive regression because we know how talented he is and the guys who are around him in that lineup are. So at pick 60, I think that that's a pretty decent bargain, especially if you get him beyond that because the ADP, that's the average. If you're getting him 65, 70, and he's your fifth pick, I'd be really, really happy there, specifically because you're getting him two rounds later than last year. I know he was bad. Uh, every, he went down across the board. But when you get a guy two rounds later because of that, that's where you find a lot of value in fantasy when you get these guys who, I mean, uh, I forget who was talking about it on Twitter. Somebody was talking about uh, Francisco Lindor and how last season, and I, we talked about it on this show a lot this year, you're getting him four rounds cheaper than he should be because three, four rounds cheaper than he should be because of a down year. And that is a huge, it's a great strategy in fantasy is buying into guys who are a little bit, a little bit underpriced because they had a bit of a poor season. And Teoscar Hernandez fits into that mold perfectly for me. If you're getting him in your fifth round and that's talking about a 15 teamer, he's going on average fourth, fifth round. If you're talking a 10, 12 team league, and he is your fifth, sixth, seventh, possibly even player, uh, you're going to be really happy to get him there. So Teoscar, I think, should be able to bounce back and provide top 50 value again next season. So no problem for me if we're taking him in this 60 range. And even into the 50s, I think that you're probably going to be all right with him. Guys, thank you so much for continuing to listen to the show during this offseason. That means quite a bit to me. I continue to see you guys downloading the show and that means a hell of a lot, considering there are so many different podcasts. And just seeing out in Arizona this weekend, how many different podcasts there are that you guys can listen to. If you listen to this one, I really appreciate that. We are going to continue with Outfield into tomorrow. We're going to keep going beyond the top 100. I mean, we've, we haven't done 100 so far, but in terms of guys who finished in the top 100 of the Yahoo Player Rankings, that's how we've done these ranking shows. So we're going to continue going down. Tomorrow, we have some interesting names who did not finish so high up in their in the season rankings for one reason or another. We'll talk a little bit about Ronald Acuna. We'll talk a little bit about Juan Soto. And we'll talk a little bit about Brian Reynolds, among some other names. Maybe even Bryce Harper. We'll see how far down the board we get. But guys, continue to follow over on Twitter, at EthosFantasyBB. That is the important one. We are hiring writers. We have already hired a bunch of writers for next season. Their content will be produced, will be sent out over on Ethos Fantasy BB. If you want to follow my personal account, at JoeOrico99, you get some other baseball and basketball information on there as well. And of course, download, subscribe, do all that great stuff to the show. And until tomorrow, guys, take care, and we will see you then. Cheers. <laughs>